Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, September 2nd. Welcome to our morning meeting. Marcus, you have the overnight. I certainly do, Chi-Chi. And a bit of an odd night overnight. Wall Street at one point was down 290 points, which was 1%, and it managed to close up 146. But for all the wrong reasons, most of the news overnight was bad. I'll get to that. But our futures this morning were up 20, and our market has been up 8 this morning. We're down 17 as I look at it at the moment. And overnight, Europe was down 1.8%. They missed the end of session rally on Wall Street. Germany down 1.6%. They're all worried about the European Central Bank having their meeting next Thursday, raising rates 75 basis points. There's an 80% chance of that. But perhaps the main driver overnight, which didn't really drive things because the market was up, should have driven things down. But the the major event overnight was the iron ore price down 8%. All the metal prices down as well. The oil price down 3%. Commodities on the nose. And that came from two things. One, a stronger than expected, is it stronger or weaker? than expected jobless, weekly jobless number in the US. In other words, the jobs market is tight and that comes ahead of the jobs number this evening. And that pushed bond yields up, pushed the US dollar up to a 24-year high against some currencies, I think the euro and the yen. And that's not good for commodities. But the other thing driving commodities was the Chinese have locked down a, what did they call it, a mega city, 21 million people in Chengdu, which is where Foxconn makes iPhones. And there's also quite a bit of manufacturing there, particularly auto manufacturing, which uses a lot of metal, of course, and they've locked that down. They're doing four days of mass testing. That comes on after lockdowns in Shenzhen and Dalian. I pronounced that wrong, no doubt. And as we saw this week, a survey of US companies operating in China, their biggest concern is this COVID zero policy, which just does not change. The Chinese are going to announce some measures to help boost the economy this month. They've got their Congress coming up in October, October the 16th where President Xi will get his third term, no doubt. But in the short term, these Chinese lockdowns just taking the legs away from the commodity prices. And on the back of that, you'll find that BHP is down another 2.1% today, having gone ex-dividend yesterday. Rio's down 1.7%. Fortescue down 1.8%. They go ex-dividend on Monday. Just a note there, John Andrew Henry Forrest has 1.131 billion shares. The dividend's $1.20. So he's going to be taking home 1.369 billion on Monday. And his shareholding, by the way, at $17, whatever the share price is, his shareholding at the moment is worth $19.6 billion. No doubt Marcus today, one day will be worth that much as well. And that's really the picture for today. Commodity prices down, Woodside's down 1% this morning, energy prices down as well. Technology just sort of dead in the water. All the banks are up a little bit, which is good. And the market just waiting for tonight to get out of the way and having completely cocked up the Jackson Hole prediction. I'm not about to predict what the jobs number tonight is going to do, but the odds are, by the looks of it, that the number is going to be a strong number if all the other economic numbers are anything to go by. The expectation is they'll add 300,000 jobs. The range is 75,000 jobs to 450,000 jobs. We'll see 
where that lands. On the diary as well, we've got, apart from the US jobs number tonight, holiday in the US on Monday, long weekend for them. A lot of people go on holiday for next week. RBA meeting next Tuesday, expected to raise rates 50 basis points. European Central Bank meeting on Thursday, 80% chance of a 75 basis point rise. US CPI on September the 12th. And as I say, Fortescue ex-dividend on Monday. Coles, mineral resources, and a couple of others ex-dividend today. And that's about it on the overnight wrap. Thank you for that, Marcus. Let's head over to Leighton with the local market and brokers. Thank you, Cheech. As you said, Marcus, ASX 200 down around 20 points. The futures were up 20 points this morning. There's not a lot of action ahead of that jobs number tonight, which could be quite pivotal for the Fed's next decision. Despite that 8% fall in iron ore, the damage to the resources sector actually isn't too bad. BHP and Rio are both off around 2%. The rest of the market seems to be holding up quite well. Financials are the best sector. Big four banks are all up around half a percent. Healthcare next best with ResMed and Sonic Healthcare up over a percent each. Materials and energy are the worst performing sectors. As I said before, BHP and Rio are down a couple of percent each and Woodside is off 1% there as well. A couple of companies down ex-dividend today. We've got Coles, which is down a percent and a half. Mineral Resources down 4.5%. They're actually off 287 cents as I look now, despite the dividend only being 100 cents. And also Ampol is down 5.5% as they go ex-dividend. On the calendar, there's nothing locally. PPI number in Europe and of course that all-important jobs data out of the US tonight. Looking forward to next week, we've got some AGMs starting up and the RBA on Tuesday. There's a couple of RBA speeches next week as well and we've also got some GDP numbers coming out. Nothing too big in the US. There's the bank's holiday on Monday and the usual jobs numbers Thursday and just some of the ex-dividends we've got next week. I know you just touched on them then, Marcus, but we've got Fortescue Metals, Ramsey Healthcare and Yan Coal on Monday. And then we've got CSL, Sonic Healthcare, Woodside, ASX and Nine Entertainment as some of the bigger ones later on in the week. And onto the brokers now, there was some interesting research that I saw from Morgan Stanley out this morning on Macquarie. They've got an overweight recommendation there and they've lifted their target price up to $231, which is implying a 32.5% upside. And they've said that they feel that the group could have some supportive first half guidance coming soon. Thank you, Chichi. Thank you very much for that, Leighton. So we're going to head over to Marcus with your strategy. Yes, thanks, Chichi. Everything on hold, obviously, ahead of the jobs number. The strategy portfolio is down to a holding in the S&P 500 and a holding in the NASDAQ at the moment, but it is 51% cash, which looks entirely appropriate. They say that in the teeth of a storm, that's when the weather starts to improve. But for now, I think we are in the storm and I wouldn't be suggesting the weather's about to improve just yet. I'm glad we sold the resources sector holding earlier this week ahead of BHP going ex-dividend because with these Chinese lockdowns, the commodity prices are just cratering a little bit. We don't hold any energy stocks, but I think if I did, I saw on the Facebook discussion site, someone asking what to do with Woodside. Depends whether you're short or long-term. Short-term, the oil price is coming off and the sector's looking peaky. So I think that speaks for itself. Otherwise, I'll put a bunch of charts in the strategy piece. Everything's topping out. The equity markets have lost momentum and the this relentless fear about interest rates and the Fed not going soft and staying aggressive it looks like it's continuing for now. And I'm not sure one jobs number is going to change that, quite honestly. We probably need to wait until September the 12th when we see the CPI number before anyone's going to believe that 
inflation's coming off the top. So appropriately cashed up at the moment, but I would put in a footnote, which I have done. There is a great buying opportunity going to be coming up at some point, not necessarily short term, but over the next few months, at some point, inflation will peak. At some point, interest rates are going to peak. And at some point, we're going to start looking through the damage from interest rates to the other side where recession fears disappear and the markets start to get optimistic. Sentiment improves. Hot stocks, sentiment stocks, stock market stocks, cyclical stocks uh, will all bottom at that moment. It is coming. It may be six months away, but it is coming. I would say these share price falls are always an opportunity, but only for the people that don't sit there with their thumb up their bum doing nothing when the market falls. For those of us who have done a bit of cashing up, opportunity knocks, just not today. And small companies, what's been going on? Yes, I'm keeping an eye on Henry's smaller companies portfolio. There is nothing to report today. As you know, I've been getting a little bit cagey about some of the gold stocks he's been holding. There are four of them all Although, as some people point out on the Facebook discussion site, Chalice CHN is no longer in gold. So there are three of them. And I will leave you as adults to decide whether to hold on to them at the moment. I think if Henry was here, he might be chopping them out. But nothing to report today. A few of them, a few of the gold stocks are down a little bit. Tyro has also, after a great run, I think it's up about 12% in a week after a great run, it's coming off the top again now, down 5.5% today. And Calix down 3.9% today. But the other item to mention on the smaller companies front was that Henry's holding Dicker Data. Dicker Data have just announced a an institutional placement at, I think, $10.30. Share price is $10.65 at the moment. And somebody emailed in asking me to comment on the share purchase plan and whether you should take it. I wrote that up yesterday in the newsletter. If you're in Dicker Data, go to yesterday's newsletter. I'll, I'll provide a link in the ideas section today, but go and have a look to see whether you should take up the share purchase plan. Share purchase plan are not rocket science. It's all a question of what the share price is on something like Dicker Data, which is just an example. There's a date they will give you by which time you have to say that you want to take up the share purchase plan. In this case, it's September the 20th. We're on September the 2nd. And the price you're going to take them up at is $10.30. And the current share price is $10.65. So it looks like it's worth it. But that's a very narrow margin. And when you take on or when you say yes on September the 20th, it won't start trading until September the 27th. So anything could happen. You're at risk for over a week. So you really want a solid cushion between the share purchase price and the current share price. And obviously you want the current share price to be well above the share purchase price before you bother to say yes. And don't say yes immediately. Wait until, I wouldn't say the last minute because you might miss the deadline, but wait until a day or two before you have to accept to make your assessment. You do not have to accept the share purchase plan when the paperwork comes out, i.e. now. Wait until the closer to the last possible time that you can accept and then decide. And that's the same for all share purchase plans, whether it's Dicker Data or not. But I have to say at $10.65 with a share purchase plan at $10.30 with the market sliding away, you don't have to make a decision for a couple of weeks. But at this point, I'd be disinterested, I think would be my description. Otherwise, I've also written up the idea 
ideas section today and the ideas portfolio as most of you will know is has been cleaned out we're down to one stock which is oz minerals we sold bhp this week and the stock's down nine and a half percent since we sold it have a look at the comments i've made in there about the wisdom of trading 20 stocks you know little about or trading a couple of stocks you know everything about i'll just point out you could just trade bhp and i think you'd have a better investment experience chasing bhp around knowing everything it does knowing all its drivers and making money out of the opportunity that the bhp share price offers every year you probably do better than you would out of 20 stocks and a couple of other stocks pilbara lithium is a theme pilbara minerals has a market cap of 10 billion mineral resources 11.9 billion this is not small cap risky volatile stuff it's big cap and if you were just to trade a positive theme like lithium then pilbara minerals i know you can't catch the bottom or the top but it has just rallied 84 percent in a couple of months and mineral resources rallied 60 percent in a couple of months i'd be surprised in this market if they didn't just come off the top a little bit but they will present that opportunity again so the game being or in the ideas section is that you don't want 20 stocks you probably want five you might want two and you might just want one and if you get to know them very well you'll probably do better than you will putting 20 stocks together that you don't really know and don't really follow too closely anyway just floating that idea in the absence of anything else to write in the ideas section today thank you very much for that marcus and we'll head over to question of the day if you could be born in any decade which one would it be marcus do you want to start us off i think i was born in the right decade i was born in 61 and i'm the same age as michael jackson lady Di, and i'd probably be born five years earlier so that i could have been there with bill gates and steve jobs because the reason they did so well is because they arrived at the right time just as computers were getting going and i slightly missed that i do remember at school i was asked whether i wanted to do they i think they called it babbage cards at the time which was computer programming and it was all done on on uh, little cards you might remember no you wouldn't remember uh it was all done on little cards and punching holes in cards and i could have done that and been at the forefront of computer programming so i think i was born in the right time but it's not a question what when you're born it's where you spend your teenage and early 20s and i think i was very happy to spend my teenage and early 20s in the 80s um being a stockbroker in the 80s we had a fair bit of money we had lots of bars we had all the girls were wearing power shoulders and it, it was a pretty flash time i have to say i wasted all that money paying a mortgage i think but i think having my teens and early 20s in the 80s was a bloody good time i'm not sure i want to be in the 60s where you're all flower power and smoking grass so yeah. that's just not my thing yeah. the, the 70s would have been good with rock and roll but i think the 80s was great because i lived at the right time yeah i think i would have liked to have been a teenager during the late 70s early 80s with you marcus you know rubbing up shoulders and disco dancing <laughs> hirishma when would you have liked to have had your formative years probably maybe 10 years later than i had it i was born in the late 80s and 
and I would have liked to be born maybe 10 years later. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really? Yeah. To someone like myself, 2010 yeah. is rather faceless. And it's also the age of social media, which I bore. Yeah, like but, MySpace, like the early days of social media. Well, it was yeah. the first... The, yeah, but the, I cannot picture myself being a housewife in the 80s or whatever. You wouldn't <laughs> no. have been a housewife. You would have been a rebel, a punk or something. I would have, like I would have been an activist, wouldn't I? Yes, there you Maybe go. Maybe an activist, <laughs> yes. Well, you should have been in the 60s then. Everyone, I'd rather, I'd everyone was demonstrating. When a bot's doing things for me. Oh, okay. doing, so you, my, doing my vacuuming for me. So you would actually prefer to have been born much later. Maybe yeah. maybe you preferred not to have been born yet. yet yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I would have missed COVID then. I'm not complaining because, about that. Because by the end of this century, I reckon we're all going to be wearing Star Trek outfits and yeah. the whole world will be gender neutral. Yeah. It won't matter what sex you are. Yeah. Everyone will be much more equal than they are now. Yeah, yeah I'd Is like that. Is that a good thing? I'd like that. You know, like everyone okay. goes through phases, isn't there? Cameron, how about yourself? What decade would you have liked to have been? I don't think Leighton and I have much choice in terms of going forward, so we're going to have to go back. I'm really into my sports, so I'd say like the, the best eras of sports were in the 80s and 90s yeah. when it comes to you know basketball, cricket, Australian rules, football. So I reckon, yeah, I'd say born in the 80s okay. and then old enough in the 90s that I can actually appreciate it. The, the interesting thing about the 80s was the 80s was the first decade where sportsmen started to get paid properly. Mm. So golfers in particular, yeah. uh, basketball players and English rugby union players. Uh, it was Will Carling, the captain, who started to push for decent pay. And I think the Kiwis were paying their players and the English weren't. So it's it's partly why New Zealand became, or the All Blacks became so much better than the rest of us, sure. because they were fully dedicated rather than being Cambridge University mm-hmm. students, which is what most of the English rugby team was. Of course, they got destroyed by Maoris who were being paid full time. Fair enough. And Leighton, how about yourself? Uh, Well, I hope this doesn't give me the stereotype like Tom used to have of being the surfer. But I feel like the best time for surfing would have been through the 70s. Just if you could be traveling around surfing during that time. I like puberty blues as well. Looks like a fun time. Yeah, I can see you on the Californian coast, Leighton. (laughs) Popping those pecs out. (laughs) Girls dropping around you. Well, thank you, everyone. Marcus will be back tomorrow with the weekend report. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Okay, thank you. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Yeah.